0: What parts of your life do you let Jesus touch? What parts of your life do you allow Jesus to have a say in, to influence? What are the needs in your life that Jesus is allowed to meet? Which needs do you believe are up to you to meet? What needs are you willing to ask Jesus' help for, and what needs are the ones that you believe are yours to hold on to? Believing or wanting to believe that you have the capacity to see those needs met. So we're continuing our Provoke Life campaign, looking at the vision that Jesus casts for the community that has become the church We understand that vision to be the Beatitudes. And so let's read our Beatitude for this month together. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the promise of this blessing is that when you find yourself humbled, it sets you free to lead with your need. Now, when Jesus said, inherit the earth, I wonder what those that he was speaking to thought about that. The people that he was speaking to were impoverished. They were oppressed. They likely had not received much, if any, inheritance from their parents. They would not have probably had anything to pass on to their kids when they would would pass away. The economic situation of Jesus' day was rigidly stratified. Meaning that if you were poor, you came from a long line of people who were impoverished and likely it would be poverty that you would pass on. Likewise, if you were wealthy, it was because your parents came from a long line of wealthy people and you would then have wealth to pass on. The, the upward mobility that is available to you and experienced by some, not, not all, but some in our day. That wasn't really an option in Jesus' day for anybody. Now, inheriting the whole earth, that's a lot, right? Like, the earth's big, that's a lot to inherit. And it seems out of reach even for us, even more out of reach for those marginalized, oppressed, impoverished. But even if it were possible to inherit the earth in our mind, the humility the meekness that Jesus references and we've been talking about over the last few weeks, it would be unfathomable for that humility to lead to an inheritance that Jesus describes. It just doesn't make any sense for humility to lead to an inheritance of the whole world. To to inherit means to receive as one's possession. To, To inherit the earth would have meant to possess the earth. And in Jesus' day, there were forces vying to possess the earth. None of them could be described as meek. Throughout Israel's history, the the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and, and, and then Rome, all trying to dispossess God's people of the land that God had promised them, all in pursuit of possessing the earth through power. So to Jesus' hearers, both the idea of possessing the earth and doing so through meekness, through humility, it just, it didn't compute. It would have been unthinkable. The power to possess, to control, to hold on to something in the world of Jesus' day and the world of our day. We believe that this power comes through strength. To, to have the life that I desire, I have to be strong in order to, to receive it, to achieve it, to possess it, and to hold on to it. So much effort is gone is, is, can go into eliminating weakness. We, we work out. We exercise to eliminate physical weakness. We strive to make more money, to save, to invest wisely, to eliminate financial weakness. We invest in our families and our friendships to eliminate relational weakness. We study, we read books, we listen to podcasts to eliminate intellectual weakness. E- even in the church, we use the language of, of strength and, and of power. We we talk about having a strong faith or, or worship was powerful that morning. We go to church, we read the Bible, we pray to eliminate spiritual weakness. And and there's nothing inherently wrong with those pursuits. They can be viewed as stewarding what God has given. But eventually, we all come to a point where what we can steward is no longer within our control. The weakness that we experience is no longer within our power, within our strength to eliminate. We hit a point where we cannot eliminate weakness entirely. We have a health challenge, or we get injured, or we just get older, and we can't eliminate physical weakness. We lose a job or there's an economic downturn. Conflict flares up in a relationship, and the other party is unwilling to meet us in re- restoring that. We're confronted with a question or a problem that we lack the knowledge and creativity to solve. Even in our faith life, when doubt creeps in, when questions rise up, we don't know what to do about that and no amount of spiritual practice can resolve it. So what do we do when that happens? Where do we go? The temptation for us is to believe that we must conjure up strength to simply power through the weakness. But because Jesus has freed us to lead with our need. That means that the real power is in meeting weakness with meekness. So in our gospel reading, Jesus is having his final meal with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And and the apostle John, who, who writes this gospel, says that Jesus loved his disciples fully. All the way to the end, he loved them and he wished to serve them. He wanted them to know that everything that he was about to do, going to the cross and dying, was about meeting their needs and the needs of the world. He would go to the cross to, to reconcile, to heal, to restore, to forgive. They needed him to do that. The world needed him to do that. We needed him to do that. And so to demonstrate for them how he was going to serve them, how it was an act of service, he chose a tangible act of service to demonstrate what was happening. The washing of feet. Peter wasn't having any of it. Because he loved Jesus. He respected Jesus. He had even said he would die for Jesus, but he was not going to allow Jesus to stoop to the level, this lowly act of service in washing his dirty, disgusting feet. He could have done that himself, or he could have found a, a lowly servant to do it for him, but not his rabbi, not his Messiah, not his Lord. So Jesus replies in verse 8. Unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Now, there was no doubt that Peter needed his feet to be clean. I mean, you walked around in sandals in, in that day, and the dirt and the grime and the, the animal droppings. Like, it was all out there. Like, it was, it was, your feet weren't pretty when you came to dinner. So washing had to happen. But Jesus knew that if Peter would not allow him to serve in this manner, Peter Peter was not going to allow Jesus to serve him in what would come next. Peter had to learn the value of meekness, of humility, both in the example that Jesus set in washing Peter's feet, but also the experience of allowing someone to serve Peter in this way that it was okay to be served, that it was okay to lead with need, that it was okay to allow someone else to meet those needs. Jesus, Je- Peter would never lead with his need, and neither will we, until we understand that it's okay to let others meet our needs, that it's okay to let Jesus meet our needs especially when we come to a place of weakness that we are unable to overcome on our own. The only solution for us is to embrace our weakness with humility because the real power is in meeting weakness with meekness. I'm kind of a sucker for inspirational sports movies. I, 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 it doesn't matter how kind of crummy they are, uh, how, how sappy the story is. You know, stories of, of overcoming adversity and coming together as a team, learning a, a life lesson that transcends sports, making a positive impact in, in the community and the world. I, I love them. I just can't get enough of them. And, and one of those movies for me is Remember the Titans. We've heard of the movie Remember the Titans, been probably 10, 15, 20 years, right? So if you haven't seen it, it's a story of a football team that two schools, that a predominantly white school and a predominantly black school, come together. They get, there's sort of this forced integration that happens in Virginia. So the football team has to integrate. And they end up uniting around this striving towards the perfect season and and winning the state championships. And in the process, they learn to care for one another. They learn to respect one another. They learn the value of all humans. And they show a segregated town what's possible. And the plot involves two coaches, one black and one white. One who was an up-and-coming successful coach and one who was nearing the end of a Hall of Fame Career who expected to be the head coach of this integrated team until he finds out that, no, actually, the younger coach would be taking over. And that coach invites him to stay on and be a defensive coordinator. And the elder coach agrees after being told sort of on the side just to buy this time that the younger coach would get himself in hot water, that he'd even just losing a game and, and, and he'd get fired and, and the, the older coach would be elevated to the position that he thought he was entitled to. But all season, this tension between the two of them, when the, when the defense would not perform up to standard, the head coach would question this older coach, even maybe thinking that, that he was trying to tank to get his job back. And this older coach, in his pride, would tell the head coach, no, you just worry about your offense. I don't need help. I'd figure it out. But as the wins pile up and and the trust starts to build, the older coach still had not reached a place of really acknowledging his need for what the head coach brought. And it wasn't until the state championship game against an opponent whose offense was uh, more complex and more effective than anything the elder coach had seen before. The Titans are getting run out of the stadium. And at halftime, he stands before the team and acknowledges his need, admits the opponent is too much, and he asks for the help of the head coach. And they come out of halftime, and everything changes, and they end up winning the game. The Apostle Paul talks about this kind of a moment in his second letter to the Corinthians he describes a really difficult situation that he's going through he calls it a thorn in his flesh we might call it a pain in our you know it was probably in reference to someone who was making life very difficult making ministry very difficult for him and he recounts his anguish even to the point of physical pain over this difficulty. And he prayed to God repeatedly about this problem, perhaps asking God to deal with this person, to make it go away so they would no longer harass him. And God's response to Paul in 2 Corinthians 13, God says, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. And that is just so counterintuitive to how we understand life. Whether it's physically, financially, relationally, intellectually, even spiritually. We believe our goal is to become strong, stable, secure. To not have needs, to not have to ask for help. To not have weakness. We think that's the purpose of life. But maybe, just maybe, God permits us to possess a certain amount of weakness. Because if God didn't, we might be tempted to think that we can do life on our own and our own way. That we don't need God. That we don't need other people. Maybe God allows weakness, allows thorns to exist in our flesh. Pains in our backsides. Not that God puts them there. Human brokenness puts them there. But rather than God just plucking them out of our lives, plucking them out of our situations, maybe God permits them to exist as a reminder of his, that his grace is sufficient. The real power is meeting weakness with meekness. Letting the grace of Jesus be sufficient means asking for help, allowing yourself to be served by God, served by others, to not think you're a burden, to not in your own pride turn inward and try to be self-sufficient because you're not. But allowing others to come alongside you to stop striving for that which is beyond your capacity to achieve, to possess, or to fix. And then detaching emotionally from the outcomes that you cannot manufacture, trusting that no matter what happens, you will be okay because God is with you in that. That's the promise of Advent, that Jesus comes into the world to be with us in our struggles, in our challenges, in our difficulties. And because Jesus is with you in the struggle, you can be open, honest, transparent with God, with yourself, with others, about whatever that weakness is that you cannot eliminate on your own. Whatever need you have that you've been keeping to yourself, holding on to, instead of sharing with Jesus or others, you don't need to pretend that you are strong. Jesus said that unless you allow Him to wash that, to heal that, to touch that, to restore that, you can't have a place with Him. Your pride, your confidence, your Strength and power, or belief in your own strength or power, that will keep you from truly receiving His strength and power. But if in humility you and I come to the end of ourselves, come to the end of our rope, and recognize our need for Jesus' grace, which is enough, which is Sufficient. His power will be made perfect in your weakness and in mine. And you and I will inherit that which Jesus intends for us to possess. Would you rise? There's a couple of questions that I'd like you to consider. We'll take about 30 seconds to do that, and then I'll close us in prayer. Where in your life? Is there weakness that you cannot eliminate on your own? And have you asked for Jesus to bring his grace, to bring his power into that weakness? So I invite you to consider that, and then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, we come to you as a people who hold so strongly onto our own sense of strength and power and control. And yet it was at that same meal where you demonstrated what you were actually doing on the cross when you washed feet. In that same meal, you told your disciples and you told us that apart from you, we can't really do anything. And so, Lord, we ask ask that you would reveal to us those strongholds in our lives, those things we hold on to that we do not allow you to touch, to heal, to clean, to restore. Lord, that we would simply have the trust to let go, to turn those over to you, to in humility embrace our weakness so that we might receive your power. And that through through our lives that your power would bring you glory or that would proclaim the promises that you have given to us to the whole world that they might know that you meet them in their weakness as well to give them strength. We ask this in the name of Jesus.